Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, Giles here. It's that busy time just before Christmas when you might be doing some last-minute shopping or wrestling with the cello tape or icing the Christmas cake or just buying Christmas cake from M&S. Much easier, and that's what I do. So, we've put together a little rosebud Christmas treat to keep you company. This isn't our usual full-length interview. Instead, it's something a little bit lighter. It's a collection of mini Christmas moments from some of our rosebud celebrity guests and friends. They're going to be sharing their Christmas memories and telling us what Christmas means to them. And we'll be also hearing from some of you, the Rosebud listeners. We'll be back with our usual full-length Rosebud on January the 5th with a very special episode featuring Sir Michael Palin. But until then, please enjoy this bit of Christmas fun. And you can also join us next week for a mini New Year episode too. We didn't want to leave you hanging over the holidays. <laughs> so, now on to today's show. We've got some quite wonderful people joining us. Who's first? Oh, yes, Sheila Hancock. Dame Sheila Hancock, telling us about Christmases when she was a girl. Do you have... Any recollections of Christmas with your parents in the pub? Was it a festive time? Was it closed on Christmas no, Day, they, open on Boxing Day? I think Day? it was closed on Christmas Day. They were working very hard at that period. I can remember, I mean, John always used to rasp bitterly about this, that we used to have what was a stocking with an orange in the bottom and one toy, <laughs> you know. And when my children are surrounded by boxes and wrapping paper, I always moan on about how when I was young, you didn't have all this. I remember one year my dad had made me a, a, a sewing box on legs and that was my present. And it was beautiful. He'd made it himself. He constructed it in the shed. And, uh, and but but seriously, we did only have one present, and then we had an orange and some sweets and things like that. Anton Dubeck remembers his amazing mum at Christmas. I love Christmas. We had always had real Christmas trees. 
So we had fabulous trees, everything had decorations all over the place. And she was a great one for, and everyone does this, I know, but she was a great one for for streaming the the Christmas cards around the always there was always lines of Christmas cards hanging from from every corner of the living room and it was just lovely we, and we always had lots of lovely presents she must have been just buying Christmas presents for months and months and months and hiding them and it was the night before Christmas when all through the house nothing was stirring not even a mouse what did Christmas mean to Lorraine Kelly? I always remember waking up on Christmas morning and getting a nurse's outfit. I must have been about four and waking up my mum and dad to say Santa's been, Santa's been. And it was two o'clock in the morning. It was a bit early. Oh. It was a bit early. Santa must just have been and then toddled off because obviously we used to put out, always put out and still do, um, whiskey for Santa and a carrot for Rudolph. And the carrot was the way and the whiskey had gone. So obviously Santa was there very, very early. And I just remember my mum and dad's looks looking at me, even at that young age, as if to say, what? <laughs> but that's because it's well known that Santa starts in Scotland. Well, he does. Because he has to move down the country. Indeed. Because at of, my house he started. Uh, yeah, well done there. <laughs> and now it's time for a rummage in the Rosebud Christmas mailbag. We've loved hearing about your Christmas memories, so thank you so much to everyone who's been in touch. We've heard from Kath Wilson in Cornwall. Kath writes, My first strong memory was when I was about three years old, Glasgow, 1957. It was late December, bitter cold with dark, heavy skies. I'm in my grandmother's house, and there's a roaring coal fire. My dad enters and tells me it's been snowing. I wasn't quite sure what snow was. I drew back the curtains and looked out of the window. I was awestruck. Inches upon inches of pristine, sparkling snow covering buildings, cars and treetops. I ran outside and danced in the falling snow. I still feel the flicker of exhilaration when I see the snow falling. I love that. A period recollection, 1957. That's why you, like me, Kath, still think in terms of inches. What funny old things we are. Joe Mathers from Birmingham has sent me this. My family and I are Jewish. Despite this, when I was young, we always celebrated Christmas Day, but we never had any decorations. I was probably five or six years old when my dad finally caved into pressure from me and my younger sister to buy our very first Christmas tree. As you can imagine, I was beside myself with excitement, and this was going to be the best Christmas ever. That was until my dad's father, Grandpa, decided he was going to drop by, sending my poor dad into a panic mode. Let's just say his relationship with his religious father was not the easiest, and he knew the sight of a Christmas tree would not be well received. To try to cover his tracks, when my grandpa was on his way, my dad suddenly grabbed the tree and started burning it in the back garden. I was distraught, and the tears were still flowing when my grandpa rang the doorbell. "'What's wrong with Joanna? Why are you so upset?' he said. "'Dad is outside, burning the Christmas tree,' I replied. That was our first and last Christmas tree. Thankfully, Father Christmas continued to visit. Oh, look, there's Annika Rice. Oh, moving away from the mistletoe. What's she got to say?' 
first memories of Christmas is that thing of just stealing down to the sitting room and seeing odd shaped things under trees you know there were always uh, and mostly mine were doll related so they they weren't huge parcels but then there'd be the occasional year where you a bicycle would be involved wow. which would be a very large parcel so I've, I've i do love christmas everyone loves christmas don't they i love christmas so much yeah. i got a huge amount i mean i remember my father mm. taking a photograph which i still got of my Christmas loot. I mean, yeah. it was a room full of it. I was in the church choir. Mm-hmm. I think you were too. Mm. I think we've had this conversation. So I used to do uh, two or three weddings on a Saturday and uh, two or three services on a Sunday. So Christmas was busy and sometimes I got to sing the solo once in Royal David City, which was a bit of a nightmare, frankly. Again, it was that thing of everyone assuming I'd be very good at everything. Though actually, I, did, I think my voice wasn't, you know, there were better there were better choristers. Yeah, but as I remember when I was a chorister, there were certainly better choristers. The look was everything. Tis the season to be jolly, tra-la-la-la, tra-la-la-la. Another of your Christmas stories now. This is from Pam Hughes, who lives over in New Zealand. We're very lucky we get listeners from around the world, though her memory is taking us back to Manchester in England in the 1970s. Hello, Giles. I'm really enjoying your podcast and thought I'd tell you about Christmas memory I have from my early 1970s childhood. My cousin Paul was in a band from Wales called the New Jaguars. They had bookings in the clubs in the north of England, so used to stay at our house in Earl and Manchester, and one particular Christmas was most memorable. We were lucky to have a small park that houses on our estate overlooked, and one evening, as a surprise, the band decided to put on their show outfits and have a bit of fun. There was a lot of noise outside, and it was late and nearly bedtime. I remember looking out of my bedroom window to see four Father Christmases walking around the park, waving and shouting Merry Christmas. What a sight. In those days, you only got to see Father Christmas in Lewis's. Looking across at the other houses and seeing the other kids laughing and waving is a memory that has stuck with me and still feels special to this day. I wonder if any of those children, all grown up now, will remember it. I'm going back to Manchester this Christmas for the first time in many years and hope to catch a bit of that Christmas spirit as I miss it now I live in New Zealand. Thanks for a wonderful podcast. Keep up the good work and Merry Christmas. Michael Palin often appears on people's lists of who would you most like to have dinner with. He also appears on the list of who would you most like to have as a godfather. I think they mean a kindly godfather, not a sort of mafioso godfather. Though maybe this year we should try and get some of the criminal classes involved. We haven't had a mafia boss on the programme, have we, yet? What's the earliest Christmas you can remember? And what sort of Christmases did you have up in Sheffield? Um, well, they were quite sort of carefully structured Christmases. Church was very important. Um, and we'd go to church and then we would have Christmas lunch, uh, fairly, fairly traditional. And it was only the four of us. We never really had anyone over on, on, 
on Christmas, and then the afternoon we'd listen to the radio. Did you watch the Queen when she was on television or listen to her on the radio, the three o'clock broadcast? Oh, yes, yes. Well, of course, uh, the earliest ones I can remember were George the... George VI. Oh. And I can remember that was actually quite interesting because he had a stammer, mm. as you know, and my father having a stammer as well. So listening to it was a little bit awkward. I just hoped and prayed that the king would get through it without a, without an obvious stammer. Ooh, ooh, that was an awkward oh. moment. Mm. Oh. Yeah. But that, that was, we listened to it and then we would listen to something like Much Binding in the Marsh or Take It From Here. And my father would really laugh and I loved to see him laugh and relax because so much of time he was tense and, and, you know, not that happy. I asked Joe Wicks about his Christmases. I'll never forget this, right? So my mum and dad, um, near where we were, there was a motorbike shop, yeah? And in the motorbike shop, there was this amazing little motorbike that was like the, this brand new thing that I saw and I used to walk past it and go, oh my God, I really loved that. It was a Yamaha PW50, right? This is in 1990, and it was £600 in 1990, right? So my mum and dad got this on higher purchase, right? It probably took them like five years to pay it off. And it was more than they'd ever spent on the car. So they were running around in little bangers, little pe- little like Peugeots and stuff. Never in a million years did I think I was going to get this motorbike. But we used to say, oh, I'd love that motorbike. It'd be amazing. Look at it, mum. It's amazing. Come Christmas Day, my mum went, go and open the curtains. And we had like these brown curtains, you know, and there's a little ledge, like a, a shelf, like a ledge, um, windowsill thing. Open the curtains, what do you think is there? The motorbike's there, like this tiny little oh. ledge is there behind the curtain. So we're screaming, like I was so, I was so unbelievably happy that this motorbike was in our living room. And I was just like, this is amazing. And then I'll never forget, because my dad, it was a tiny little thing. He got me, Nikki, and him on this bike. So I was at the front, Nikki was at the back. We're all hanging on like dumb and dumber, you know, going down the field. And that was it. We were like the first ones in the neighbourhood to have a little motorbike. And now here's something from another listener, a friend of the show, Mickey Maynard, who tells us about Christmases when she was young in Chicago. Chicago was replete with beautiful department stores led by Marshall Field, which is like Selfridges. In fact, the founder of Selfridges actually trained at Marshall Field. All the American department stores would play Christmas songs outside on loudspeakers. I'm assuming that was to put shoppers in a festive mood. On one evening when I was about five years old, I was holding onto my mother's hand under the canopy of one of the stores, and the song Silver Bells came on. The lyrics go, City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner, you hear silver bells. Silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city. The scene around little me absolutely fit the song. And to top it off, some snowflakes started to fall, giving it even more of a Hollywood setting. That memory is etched in my mind, and whenever I hear the song, I'm transported back to being a little girl in a winter coat and hat in the big city at Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. 
Next up, it's entertainer, actor, writer, one of my favourite people, David Mitchell. For me, that it's the best part of the year, and I and I still sort of feel that the presents and the food and the TV, but also the decorations, and and I think having this focus for the darkest point of the winter, where we start putting twinkly things up, and we say this is a cause for celebration, and this is a time when we're all supposed to have a good time, and exciting things are just supposed to happen, uh, for no reason other than the fact that this should happen about once a year if we're going to stay sane, is such an important piece of punctuation in the human year. Very soon it will be Christmas Day. And now, let's hear some more of your Christmas recollections. We've had a voice note from Elaine Hosey in East Kilbride. When I was five years old in 1959, I remember being asked by my parents, what would you like for Christmas? And I remember saying, a surprise. On Christmas morning, I was so excited. We had a sitting room, the posh room, used only for visitors and on special occasions. This was where the Christmas tree and presents were to be found. I can still remember opening the sitting room door, and there on a table was the most beautiful doll's house, with working lights battery operated. It was beautifully decorated and carpeted with lovely doll's furniture. Little did I know that my father had spent hours in his spare time creating it from a triang kit. The doll's house gave endless hours of pleasure, not only to myself, but to my younger sister and our friends. When I was married and had set up my own home in 1979, the doll's house came with me. My own children have had fun playing with it, Now, 64 years later, the doll's house is still giving pleasure to my grandson. Sadly, my father passed away in 1972, when I was just 17 years old. The doll's house is very much a treasured possession, which I hope will continue to give much pleasure for generations to come. Oh, this is exciting. This is the man of a million voices, hugely talented. It's Rob Bryden, and I think... He wants to give me a present. Christmas was magical, mysterious. Um, Memories of waking up on Christmas morning. Nobody else has woken. I'm about six, seven. Shapes at the end of the bed in the half light. Oh, could I feel them? So exciting, so exciting. (laughs) There's a record player. There's a box record player. Clicks at the side open up the lid there's a Rupert the Bear album oh yes what would Jenny Cooper give her friends for Christmas I want to go to Russia and I want to um, buy 50 Cossacks really glamorous Cossacks. I want to bring them back here, really good-looking Cossacks, keep them in my house in Gloucestershire. And every time one of my heavenly girlfriends has a birthday, I give her a Cossack for a birthday present. And so a lot of my gay friends have a birthday. I can give him a Cossack for a birthday present. I think that's a good idea. I think it's the ultimate mm-hmm. Jilly Cooper idea. Mm-hmm. A Cossack for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Jilly Cooper. Jolly super. 
We're going to hear now from Zane Long, who lives in Ohio in the USA, where they have a white Christmas far more often than we do. My first memory is at Christmas time. And I think that I have such fond memories of Christmas uh, and such vivid memories of Christmas because my father and my grandfather loved Christmas. They uh, always decorated very lavishly and, and, uh, you know, we had beautiful wreaths and trees and lights all around the house uh, in celebration of Christmas. But my first memory uh, is sitting around Christmas after we had opened gifts at my grandfather's house. And the next uh, thing I remember, I look up and I see my grandfather coming down the hallway with a bicycle, a beautiful little red bicycle with a nice huge white bow on it. And it had little training wheels on it. And I remember jumping for joy. I was so excited to get my first ever bicycle. And then I remember the next day, my family and I um, went to our neighbor's house. We'd had a huge snow and uh, our neighbor had a massive hillside and we went sledding down the hillside. It was uh, the first snow of the season and it happened right after Christmas. And so we, um, me and my mother, I uh, sat between her legs uh, going down the sled and I remember being very happy, very excited, but, but kind of frightfully excited because I was afraid we might crash at the end. But uh, thank you all for listening to this and a mer- very, very Merry Christmas to everyone. So, it just remains for me to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. The next Rosebud will be coming out next week on December the 29th. So this is the last episode before the big day. I hope you have a peaceful and happy time, whatever you're doing. And I hope what you're doing might include listening to some of the back numbers of Rosebud. We began this podcast on the 1st of September, St. Charles's Day. And we're still going strong. And I have to tell you, we've got some very, very exciting guests lined up for 2024. Christmas, I think, is a time when our childhood memories are more vivid than ever. So we're going to end with something nostalgic. It's Rob Bryden reading the closing lines from Dylan Thomas's A Child's Christmas in Wales. Always on Christmas night there was music. An uncle played the fiddle, a cousin sang Cherry Ripe, and another uncle sang Drake's Drum. It was very warm in the little house. Auntie Hannah, who had got onto the parsnip wine, sang a song about bleeding hearts and death, and then another in which she said her heart was like a bird's nest, and then everybody laughed again, and then I went to bed. Looking through my bedroom window, Out into the moonlight and the unending smoke-coloured snow, I could see the lights in the windows of all the other houses on our hill and hear the music rising from them up the long, steadily falling night. I turned the gas down, got into bed. I said some words to the close and holy darkness, and then I slept.